Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Heavy Matters Episode 4. The reason I'm laughing is Venny just did a very funny countdown like they do in the films uh, that you can see. Anyway, um, have Episode 4 of Heavy Matters. Uh, follow us at Heavy Matters on Twitter. This is a show, a weekly podcast we do between myself, Joey, and my good friend Ven on the other end uh, where we discuss heavy music. Uh, I'm going to throw alternative into that as well today because of one of the albums we're reviewing. <laughs> I'm going to caveat it with that. Um, we're reviewing today <laughs> um, new albums from Enter Shikari and uh, Black Dahlia Murder. And our deep cut is from Lamb of God, As the Palaces Burn. Um, so pretty stacked show. Uh, Venny, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm enjoying this paternity leave. Little girl's doing well. And paternity leave's a form of uh, lockdown anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm having a nice time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hear you. Okay, yeah, as I said, follow us at Heavy Matters um, on Twitter, please. Give us a retweet and a shout-out. We'll get straight into it, Ben. We're recording slightly earlier today, so I don't have a glass of wine with me this time, unfortunately. It, I just can't justify drinking at 20 past one. It's just, <laughs> even on a Sunday, it's just, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, okay, so we'll jump in then. News. In terms of news, fairly fairly quiet. The only one I want to really shout out is that uh, Wacken has been cancelled, inevitably. I think in Germany they've stopped all uh, mass gatherings till the 31st of August. And I'd say Arctangent, Ben, that you have tickets for is probably going to be fairly dicey at this rate as well. It's perilous, isn't it? I mean, they're similar time, they're both in August. So, uh, yeah, it's looking perilous, but we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. The other, the other thing I just want to touch on is um, this is our fourth episode of doing this and we, well, you and I then kept this under wraps for a while and last week we sent it on to our mates to have a listen and you used the term trepidation um, about sending and 100% because I was the same. As I said, we, we do this just for fun. It's a hobby. Um, it's something we're very passionate about. We don't get paid for it. We're not professional journalists. So to everyone who has um, sent us feedback and praise on it, we're truly uh, humbled by it all. And thanks very much. There's been loads of suggestions as well from um, people about maybe doing specials that we're looking into. It's early days on the pod yet. Yeah, just thanks to everyone who, who has said all these kind words. It does mean a lot to us. Do you want to add anything to that, Benny? It, well, you've said it all, mate. But thanks, thanks again to everyone. All the feedback's been really interesting, and it shows people are actually listening to it with a critical ear. And we're not offended by any of it. Anything to make the make the show better, we're keen to take on board. And um, yeah, just like you said, spread the words and uh, share it with anyone who you think might like it. Yep, very well said. So thanks again, guys. Um, it, we do really appreciate it. Moving on, uh, let's get stuck in, Benny to our first album review and this is by enter shikari nothing is true and everything is possible it's their sixth album by the british lads i'm going to start on this very quickly i chose this album to review because i thought it'd be nice to have a bit of a instead of just straight up pure metal have something a bit different and diverse for our listeners um my exposure to uh, enter shikari was on a download highlight show on Scuzz, can't remember what year it was, and they played a song by them called Zonked, which I think is off their album Common Dreads, and I have to admit, I was hooked on that song, and I watched it a fair few times and I listened to it. I didn't go on the album, for whatever reason, so when I got this album and pressed play, I was quite looking forward to it from what I heard previously, and I'll leave it there for now, 
and hand over to you, Venny. What's your exposure to Shikari? I've I've liked them over the years. I liked them in their very early days. That was in the early two thousands with their their very first releases. And at that point, they had quite a new and interesting sound, mixing kind of dance electronic elements with metal at that point. I zoned out until 2015 when they released Mindsweep, which was actually, believe it or not, was number seven in my albums of the year list and was a really wow. brilliant album. And that really rekindled my interest. To be honest, I had nothing in between times, but I really liked that album, the Mindsweep. I thought it was really strong, had really great sound great um it was it was relatively heavy and good songwriting it was well put together so that was followed by the spark in 2018 which hot on the heels of the mind sweep i was quite looking forward to but was let down and it kind of reminded me why i never listened to them before um and that has been followed by this album which we'll go on to talk about yes this album so this this is and Shikari probably, you could say, founded this electronica rock movement in the genre they're in. And um, like I said, that song Zonked perfectly illustrated all of that on there, which is why I was so much looking forward to this album. Um, I first listened to this album on Friday morning, about seven o'clock before I had my coffee. And I texted you and said, I need to listen to something different straight after because I couldn't handle it. I then went back on it and really enjoyed it. And then I put it on yesterday i think actually i played it to the wife and i couldn't get into it again this album is a marmite album for me of you either love it or hate it what, what's your thoughts on that or what i've said Fanny? i think marmite sums up enchikari perfectly i think they've got a huge fan base of fans who clearly love them and i don't think these are the sort of fans that necessarily listen to other types of heavy music and not necessarily the kind of people who come to download but their fans clearly love them whereas i would say there are also a similar number of people who really dislike them so i think marmite sums it up perfectly more specifically this album i think really they have almost entirely find out any heaviness that they've ever had in the past yeah. on this album. Not to say it's not an interesting piece of work, but they have gone so far removed from the heavy music that they started in that it does bring into question its relevance in, in this kind of podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I put straight away this album's followed with, um, with what uh, Bring Me the Horizon did notably with um that that's the spirit and then the last one ammo which is just like bring me the horizon of a fucking heavy band in the day if you look back to um sem paternal particularly as an album was really heavy and then got really soft and this is what i had when i i'm coming back to zonked because it's the only exposure i have to it but when you look at zonked compared to this album it's just completely different and there's nothing really on here that grabs my attention from a metal fan's point of view it's poppy at times it's got the classic electronic of you know the jungle and and drum and bass and that's not to say the tracks that i didn't enjoy all of the tracks i did there's catchy catchy tracks on here um you know when especially when you get to reprise the and then tina elegy of extinction is a, a song we'll come back to but from my point of view, Benny, this does not really do much for me. For yourself? I agree that 
it's a really interesting album and they try and mash together lots of different styles of music which is, has to be fair always been their way um they've enlisted the city of prague orchestra <laughs> and some of these kind of orchestral interludes that they've done which i think are interesting they've got a really poppy kind of radio one sound on a lot of their tracks and like i say they have really just ironed out any heavy leaning from their music almost entirely and like you say there's not to say i didn't enjoy parts of it I, they've got very catchy choruses i really like one of the tracks called marionettes where it goes from the, this kind of string orchestral music into quite an electronic track the part two of marionettes is a more traditional shikari track um, but still leaving leaning quite heavily on electronic music yeah that was another gripe i had that marionettes uh, track 11 and 12 marionettes one and two was it really necessary to do two tracks on that could they've just thrown it into yeah. one i mean the album the album is 45 minutes long which um for, for an album like this we we spoke about the azusa album last week being 30 minutes long and that was plenty enough i think this album you could probably take out a few tracks but that not being said bands are trying to develop and progress their sounds you know they're always trying to be the next sort of big thing if you will with that regard but i just think this is probably a step too far from the enter shikari sound of previous i think it's a jump too far do you think that's a fair hot comment and that's that's coming from you or coming from us i i'm what i'm quite interested in is seeing how the shikari fans take to this record because i think they, as I mentioned before, they have cultivated quite a strong following. They sell big venues out and um, their fans, like I say, seem to be a law unto themselves in that they're not the typical metal fans. They like Shikari, but they may not like other similar heavy bands. And so I, I'm interested in how it goes down with them. The other thing that I looked into is looked at some of the other reviews uh, in the popular press for this album. And what I could see was they were wildly different. I quickly looked mm. at the Kerrang and NME reviews, which gave it four out of five. And that, of course and that, it did. Was, Kerrang and NME. Yeah, that was contrasted with some others, including the Independent, which gave it one out of five. So it clearly is, going back to what you said, I think sums it up perfectly. It's a Marmite record. Some people like it, some people don't. And the, the, the critical point for them is how it goes down with their own fans, I think. Yeah, I I often judge um, albums as well uh, how they're going to go down live the tracks, and I I think personally if you put them on the download second stage headlined, which I think there's probably a distinct possibility that could happen next year um, with this album going out and and being popular at that, that festival, I think if you had that on a whatever night it was, beers flowing, I think if they played these tracks it would be a similar to the Diane Wood they did last year's and there was an absolute party atmosphere i think that's the sort of scenario it will be but mixing it with the older stuff do you think they're going to stick the older stuff in still how is it going to blend together live i don't they, know i mean uh, one thing i will say for them they are a great live band i saw them on that Mindsweep tour and that was when they pushing the quadraphonic sound and this is this again is they're always trying to push things forward, which I always will take my hat off to them. Not necessarily in directions that I like, but they are trying to kind of always push things forward. So I've got respect for them in that in that way. But they are a great live band. They do have some absolute rages. 
download. I'm not sure. Sure, Reading and Leeds would be perfect for them. Those kind of stages. Yeah. yeah. With this album, are they moving away from your standard downloads fan? Well, this is it, and that's the other thing with like the likes of Bring Me the Horizon. Could they go back to download? Like, they've they've sort of making their bed now, aren't they? You know, they're they're choosing a very distinct. It's similar in that. Bring Me seem to now also have cultivated their own fan base, which does stand apart from your traditional metal fan base who who might like other similar bands. I think Bring Me have Bring Me fans who like that band, but not necessarily other bands. And I think it's similar at Shikari. Problem, like we've discussed before in the pod, is you know we are running out of sizable bands who can take these headline slots. Maybe not in the main stage, but less stages and. We do want a bit more variety in downloads, so yeah, I don't know is the answer. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if they do get that slot download next year or ever come back to download. One thing I will say about this this album, it's quite a gateway album for people who aren't into metal. Like if if you, I've got mates who would be into their electronic, drama bass, jungle, all that stuff. I think if you gave them this album, because of the tinges and the influences, the electronic on it, they might like it, and I think they might it might encourage people to maybe go back on Shikari and maybe grab a few yeah, fans that I, way. I agree, and I think what's pertinent about what you said is you playing it to your mates of a similar age group to us, where they will get the references to this music. One thing that I th- they clearly have this kind of Radio 1 electronic element to their sound. But one thing that I th- always think about Shikari is that their sound sounds like Radio 1 about 15 years ago. It doesn't sound like Radio <laughs> 1 now. And I think you could get someone of our age to listen to it. It didn't necessarily like metal. What interests me is whether you could get a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid who listens to Radio 1. Would they think Shikari just sound like old 30 something past it trying mm. to that that's what interests me about them they are an interesting band as well um another point is the the fact that they have a very political agenda in their their lyrics now being said the lyrics on this album are some at times are quite ridiculous i think that now i can't say it rightly <laughs> the, the is ap- apocalypse anonymous Apocalyx. where he says where he says something like Let's have a gin and tonic. We're alcoholic anonymous, like just written <laughs> laugh of yeah. all the time. I mean, having sat, listened to a few more albums probably than you, they are prone to these quite ridiculous lyrics, which again their fans seem to love. But uh, I don't think many other bands would get away with them, to be honest. One other thing I'd say: when you kind of look at their political agendas and how they present themselves in social media and the press etc they can see they do sometimes seem to come across as a bit kind of aloof in a high art project that something very intellectual is going on which i don't necessarily buy yes so yes, whilst yes, i yes. give it well i'm happy to to give them a lot of props for being creative and trying to mix lots of things and developing things, pushing things forward. I don't buy that they're some kind of intellectual high art project. Sorry, it's just when you talked about some of the lyrics you talked about, I'm not buying that. Yeah, you've, you've made a good point there, though, that they have, and uh, Raul, I think that's how you say his name, Raul Reynolds actually produced this album. They are pushing the boundaries of this 
this, uh, you know, like they've they've thrown everything in there, almost like they've thrown just everything in, thrown the hat in the ring and said, this is where we're at now. And t- hats off to that because they are trying to progress. As I said, lots of bands do these days, but it, it's just, it, it, yeah. it's not for me. Um, there are a few tracks in there. I, I, Energy for Extinction. I think that's the, is that the op? Yeah. Classical track, track in there. Like, was it needed? Yeah. <laughs> like... I, did, I, did, I did quite like those bits, which maybe is a reflection of that I didn't like the rest of the album so much, but I did like the classical interlude. But that one particularly. <laughs> I think it's just showing your age, Renny. But that, that, that <laughs> elegy for uh, Extinction sounded like Holst, something out of the Planet Suite. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, just going back to the, the production, you said it's produced by Rao, but I think also Dan Weller, from sixth has been a producer on this and certainly produced some of their previous albums Um, and he's obviously quite not only the guitarist in sixth but produced quite a lot of the newer bands should we say like um very tomorrow etc etc yeah yeah good show i think he was the assistant producer or something like that but yeah no it's a very good shout out to to him (laughs) the last thing i had track 15 the very last track i thought my phone switched to Symphony of Destruction. <laughs> the opening <laughs> I thought they were doing a Symphony of Destruction cover. Um, it is bang on Symphony of Destruction. But anyway, that's just a different side note I had on there. Venny, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end that here. What's what's your out of 10 on this? It gives me no pleasure to say this after really enjoying that album, The Mind Suite. But it's a significant drop-off. I'm giving this a 5 out of 10. Oh, yeah um that's where i'm at as well i just can't get into this album i I think i will maybe listen to it again to see if it's one of those albums where you have to be in the right sort of mood i think because it is a very pop punky party album but not not for me thanks um before we step off for fans of it's a tricky one with enter shikari because they are very much their own sound and uh, have cultivated that over many years have you got anything for that I mean, I've mentioned Bring Me the Horizon. The only other ones I'd put in the ring are maybe bands like Pendulum, Prodigy, or even the Crossface. If you wanted to, so a, a band if you if you like yeah. this electronic kind of rock metal hybrids, Crossface are really, you know, obviously a lot hev- heavier, but a, a proponent of that. I, I think fans of electronic music would would happily like this, but. Anyway, we'll move on. That was a toughie, I won't lie. Okay, so on to our second album this week. Benny, I know you've been really looking forward to this, being a big fan of this band. It is the Black Dahlia Murder Verminus. Sorry, Verminus. Um, <laughs> it's their ninth album. Their previous album, Nightbringers, came out in 2017, which I was a big fan of. Venny, you're yep. a big fan of as well. Let's get stuck in. Black Dahlia Murder, Venny. How, how much... Do you love this band? I love this band. I think they are one of the most consistent bands, not over, not only in death metal, but in any type of metal. Nightbringers, number two in my albums of the year in 2017. Abysmal, number 12 in my albums in the year 2015. The album before that, Everblack, is one of my favourite albums by that band, and that was before the days where I used to do an album of the year's list, but would have been at the business end, end of it. And for me, they're one of the, as I said, most consistent death metal bands around there. And one thing I'll put back to you is, are 
the Black Dahlia Murder, the foremost death metal band in the world right now. Now, I'm not saying they've got a better or bigger legacy than bands like Cannibal Corpse, but in terms of what is happening day in, day out, and in terms of tours and everything else, I would suggest that the Black Dahlia Murder are the foremost death metal band, straight up death metal band around at the moment. Yeah, if if you're talking straight up death metal, then yeah, I, when you were talking, then the other band I came to mind was Rivers of Nihil, just because I loved their last album so much. Where I was no no name, um, but no, I think if you're talking a, a hard working band, and these guys are definitely up there. And the other thing about Black Dahlia Murder is there's no gimmick really to it. Is it? It's just straight up what what you want in death metal. I will say this: there's a difference between them and Corpse. In terms of there's more melodies in Black Dahlia stuff. It's it's not straight up death metal. You get sort of the Gothenburg sound of that. But back to your original point, yes, I think Black Dahlia Murder are the best of what they're doing. If you right took now. the last five or ten years in terms of which death metal band has released consistently the best albums, I don't I don't think there's a case for any other bands being near them. They're working they they're tirelessly touring. Like you said, there's no gimmick. They just embrace that old school death metal vibe, their artwork, their merch, you know, everything. And the the members of their band, you know, the lead singer, Trevor Strand, is one of the most infectious live performers you'll ever see. He's actually one of my favourite people to go and see live, how infectiously enthusiastic about metal is on stage their guitarist brian brian eschbach who's been with the band since the start absolute riff monster who's who's been right so consistently writing churning out these song after song for the last decade but yeah i could i could talk about them all day but so i'll hand back on well we, we've got a fair bit of time so let's not um let's get back in there do you think black dahlia murder are more of an accessible yeah, death I think metal band. For sure, like you say, they have that tinge of the Gothenburg Swedish Melodeth sound to them. So you could class them as melodic death metal. Um, they've certainly got a lot of hooks in their songs. They write catchy songs. They don't have melodic singing, if that's what you're getting at. Um, but yeah, but, but they are accessible, yes. But the sing- but just as you've touched on the singing there, the singing it's not melodic. You're right, but it is more. I mean, let's just take Corpse Grinder against Trevor. Corpse Grinder is straight up guttural growls, whereas Trevor does have more higher pitch. Yeah, he's up. he's got a, probably a broader canvas that he draws from, and so yeah, you you're not just stuck in one groove. Yeah, another thing on this album is the solos really stood out for me. The guitar solos we've touched on the Swedish Gothenburg scene there, but that's really, you can really hear it in there, you know, groovy uh, wailing solos, which is nice on, on an album like this because death metal can be very much repetitive. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. yeah, You're meat and two veg sort of thing. Sorry, that's something else, but yeah, (laughs) meat and potatoes. Um, Down too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? Sorry. Oh yeah, the death metal. You know, it can just be bang, 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 and the album's gone, and you're not really sure what's happened. Whereas, like you said, there's loads of hooks on this album, which really makes it stand out from other of your standard death metal. The like, 
your corpse, for example. I think just on that point, they, you know, Trevor and Brian Eshback have been in the band since the early days, and I think they have had a few lead guitarists over the years. The latest one they've got, who's playing on this album, and I think the album before is a guy called Brandon Ellis. When I saw them live at Lords of the Lands, they were, it was funny to, on stage. They were basically taking the piss out of him. So he looked like a twelve-year-old boy, and they're, they're these like road hardened, <laughs> like twenty-year lifers, and they've got this this like twelve-year-old boy ripping out these solos on stage. So uh, yeah, hats off to him. He does a great job on this album. Absolutely right. A standout tracks for you here, Benny. I really liked the tracks Child of the Night. I thought that was a great track. I think they've had that out earlier as a single with the Incubus Succubus chorus. I thought that was brilliant. And I really liked the track called uh, The Wereworms Mask, is it? Yes. Do you know, do you know what I loved about this? And I, I think this is why you liked it as well, Fanny. It's got a solo to kick off the song. That's exactly what I've written down. It starts with an absolutely ripping guitar lead. <laughs> yeah, and that capture of sin it reminded me exactly. I, I knew you'd like that one. I, I'm a big fan of the Leather Apron Scorn. Yes, I've written I that love down the song's as well. Title. Yeah. And it's a bit, bit yeah, of a yeah. carcass vibe, which, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, this album's really good. And I'm, 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 I'm not the biggest death metal fan. I'll be the first to admit it. But this album has that something different, like the vocals aren't, the the hooks, the melodies. And that's why I think this album is right more up my street. Because it isn't just, like you said, meat and potatoes, bang, 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 death metal record. It's got those grooves on it. Um, it's That's why I said accessible, because it is, for me, a more accessible album to go in on. I 100%. I think it just comes down to good songwriting. I think that's what Black Dahlia Murder over the years has made them so consistent. There's not one thing that stands out. It's just the fact they write really good, catchy tracks. And I think that they've done it again. Like The Sky is Blue and Water is Wet, Black Dahlia uh, Murder released <laughs> another good album. Do you think this is better? We'll than come on to this where it sits. But <laughs> I, I think one thing that I would say about all Black Dahlia Murder albums, and probably this one, is that you you need to give them quite a few listens to let those hooks sink in. I think they are often you listen to it two or three times and you don't really they don't really grab you, and it's only after quite repetitive listens that it really catches you. So for now, I'm saying sadly for me, not as good as Nightbringers, but. That's. I would not be surprised if come three weeks, a month, end of the year, whether I don't love this album even more. And and to be honest, most of the albums I do like are like this, where it, it grows on you slowly rather than uh, you hear it once, all of its tricks are revealed to you and then you can forget about it. So, so going back to your point, for me, maybe not quite re- reaching the height of Nightbreed, but still brilliant album. Yeah, um, one thing that I like about this, and this may sound a wrong way of putting it, the album's only 36 minutes long, which is good. If you're, for people who are listening and, you know, death metal isn't really your thing, this album is fairly short, but it's an enjoyable death metal album. There's lots of stuff in there that I think people may enjoy. Um, it's not, as we said, straight punishing death metal. So I would I'd encourage people to give it a listen. 
Um, I think it does need maybe two or three times before you can get absorb it. I think Black Dahlia Murder have written some really catchy songs in the past, and if if I was to give someone an album not not really listened to them before, didn't really like the type of music, maybe I wouldn't give them this album of their back catalogue to start with. Maybe I would give them a Nightbringers or an Everblack. But um, yeah, I agree. I agree with the sentiment. What you've said is that it's short, a good length, and is interesting enough. Really well produced this album as well, isn't it? The symbols sound out. The symbol rides at the start of um, the title track for Min- Verminus um, is crystal clear. It's so luscious sounding. This album as well, isn't Over it? Over the years, they've just nailed their own sound, and by this point, it sounds absolutely luscious as the last year it sounded perfect where's this going to sit in your first of all first of all actually do you think a band like this and then we're about to download how we always do you think they'd be welcome to download not sorry not not (laughs) not welcome like but you know what i mean like would would they draw enough fans to and you know you're not talking second stage you're probably talking third stage do you reckon they'd fill a tent i don't know is the honest answer i don't know how much appetite there is in general for the death metal and when you see what venues black dahlia murder play on their average uk tour i'm always a little bit disappointed that they're not bigger venues given how consistently brilliant they've been over the years so i think you would be looking at fourth stage second or third from the top yeah I mean, Download have in recent years, which is nice to see, have been giving bands like this a chance. Um, Behemoth played there uh, first during my stag uh, in, Christ, whatever year that was. If the wife listens to this, you are. I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 2014. <laughs> and, and, and they're now, they played yeah. the main stage last year, Behemoth. Uh, and they're... Uh, they're black metal, extreme metal band. I think similar bands, you know, At The Gates headlined one of the fourth stage this last year. Yeah. Carcass have done it a couple of years back. So, yeah, they do have on decent side death metal bands, but I just, I don't know that Black Dahlia Murder could command a headline set the fourth stage at Download yet. Are they too underground, I mean, I think? think people would widely, if someone walked past, you know, in a Black Dahlia Murder t-shirt, I think they're recognisable enough that people would kind of know who they are. I just don't think they've got, because death metal is still quite an extreme form of metal, it's still quite niche, you know, I think I think they'd be struggling, to be honest. Which is, which is disappointing, because I love them. But I'd love them to be headlining the fourth state download. But um, yeah, and I think Trevor, he's so infectious with his... Uh, on stage antics that he would get the crowd going even if they'd never heard them before so yeah they'd be a perfect they'd play a perfect set i'm sure yeah i I agree i think it's it's about time we've got a few more of these bands going to download for the likes of hardened listener like like yourself then what are you okay for fans first i mean we've all heard death metal so you can reel off the usual like you we've mentioned already cannibal corpse carcass at the gates i'd like to give a shout out for fans of this might also consider so switching it up a little bit there's a a uk band called charybdis who did a record called in the shadow of paradise which released 2018 which is very 
similar vein to um, the Black Dahlia murder. So if you dig the Black Dahlia murder, check out Charybdis. Good shout out, UK band as well. Yes. We like it. <laughs> we like, we like it. it. Being UK, being UK based. Well, sorry, I'm not. You are. Yeah, agreed. Obviously, you've got your Cannibal Corpse in there, but I think you touched on at the gates. Probably is probably the melodic side of it where you hit the nail on the head. I'm going to give this Venny. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I personally don't think it's as good as Nightbringers. However, it's not a bad record. It's still very good and very Black Dahlia murder-ish. I don't know this <laughs> word, but it's it's in the same vein. It's a very solid album, and I cannot really see Black Dahlia murder ever doing a poor album, if I'm honest. Before going on to my ranking, I we had a small kickback to our treatment of August Burn Reds a couple of weeks ago, and we... <laughs> we bemoaned we're, we're being bemoaned for you know saying it's just another metalcore record and to be honest you could just level the same criticism at the Black Dahlia murder they are not progressing anything they're not going in any wild new directions but it just so happens this is the kind of music that I love so I'm giving them a pass whereas maybe I'm not giving August but so I'm just I'm just kind of being very open about that Coming on to the ranking or the rating, this was difficult. This is a really difficult one for me because I love the band so much. I thought back to what I give some of their previous records. So looking back at their classics like Nocturnal and Ritual, Everblack are probably nines. Nightbringers, an eight pushing a nine. Abysmal, I would give seven. So Verminous, I'm giving seven also. Yeah, fair. Like you say, when you're holding it up against those strong albums and Nightbringers, um, it's probably sits there around seven. But as we said, we like it. We like the album. So it's it's a thumbs up from us. It's a three thumbs up from us. Cool. Right. So we're moving on to Venny Deep Cut. Deep Cut. Deep Cut. <laughs> Your job today is to put that on the soundbite <laughs> and put it on and edit that in. So I don't have to even introduce it. People just know. <laughs> yeah, so we're going on to a band who I bloody love the arse off is Lamb of God. And the album is As the Palaces Burn. This was released in 2003. It's their second album after their debut 2000 New American Gospel. Just important to note, we are talking about Lamb of God and I'm not including Burn the Priests before they're rebranded to Lamb of God. So yeah, second album, Venny. The difficult second album for Lamb of God. It, was it? Was no. it a difficult second album? In short, no. <laughs> Easy. Easy second Absolutely. album. We are talking about As the Palace is Burned, obviously, but if you think of New American Gospel being the blueprint of what Lammy G's were doing, then As the Palace is Burned was the mastering of it. And then not to give too much away, but Ashes of the Wake was the absolute mastering of Lamb of God. But we're talking about As the Palaces Burn. This album, Benny, I think I got this when we went to Nerja <laughs> in Spain. And I had it on repeat for so long. Because Pantera had pretty much split up then. You know, we had Diamond going on to Damage Plan and you know, Phil was doing one of number of bands so and I 
I'm a huge Pantera fan, the grooviness of it all, and I was missing something. And this was the album that was the missing link for me. I just, as soon as I got it, and I can't remember where I even heard it. I think it was in Krang. It might have been reviewed on Metal Hammer. But I got it and put it on, and it just all clicked. And I was like, this is what I am missing. This is the epitome of heavy metal. Do you I, remember that, Nerf? Of course and- I do. Of course I do. <laughs> and you're, you're right in that metal was in a bit of a funny place at that time. It was kind of the dregs of new metal were kind of coming through. You had bands like the Older Guards, by that point, petered out a little bit, your Panteras and Fear Factories and Sepulturas. And so this was the next thing. Obviously, it was branded the new wave of American heavy metal, which I've never been been that comfortable. But I I prefer your summary, which is that Lamb of God's just picked up the baton from where Pantera left it and just ran with it, made it faster and heavier and more brutal and it was the natural progression and it was the natural home for many of these lost metal fans who who were ostracized from new metal missed some of the old metal they're not quite as they're not old enough to be in that very trad metal group so that it it became the new home for a lot of metal fans i think yeah and this band it to me is what epitomizes heavy metal do you know you have all these sub-genres of fucking like shikari mentioned being electronica and then you have thrash metal this to me is just heavy metal really i know people brand them as groove metal and thrash metal but this is just absolute heavy metal and it's heavy as a mofa mofo i'm trying not to swear i haven't had a drink so i've no excuse <laughs> to not, not swear this this um hit is number 86 in rolling stone's top 100 metal albums of all time quite rightly so absolutely it deserves to be um the producer yes. benny we're going to talk about the producer on this and it is a certain mr devon townsend i think this is a really interesting side story on the album it was produced by devon townsend who at that point it's been through strapping young lads who'd produced um i think soil work before and i i read devon townsend's book a year or so ago called only half there and he talks at length about producing this record and what a stressful process it was you get the you get from devon that he's a very obsessive self-critical neurotic kind of person and that's what he describes when he was producing this album in in his book says how he worked on it night and day he got very little he got very little sleep he didn't have an engineer so he was kind of doing that all himself and the end result which we can talk about has he's described it in his own words as having an ugly sound and it was a confusing time for him but due to the quality of the songs the album became a success and he feel, he kind of summarizes saying that he felt whilst it was not a good sounding record, he did manage to capture the identity or the essence of what Lamb of God were, which I entirely agree. And then subsequent to that, it's been remastered as what, what they've called a 10th anniversary edition. And so the remaster, they've tried to clear up a lot of that muddy sound and make it in that very glossy 
highly compressed sound that Lamb of God went on to do in the Ashes of the Wake and in Sacrament and the, the subsequent, subsequent albums. So it's, a, it's an interesting sound. For you, Chris, what, what's your feeling of the sound and the production of this record? I've I, That's the first I've heard what you've just said about Devon there. And I he seems like the perfect fit because of at the time with Strapping Young Lad, like you say, nowadays probably he's gone a lot more melodic. and um, But he would have been the perfect fit for that. Interesting to hear him say he wasn't overly pleased with it. Um, as I said, when I picked up this album, I thought it was exactly what I was looking for. Uh, I think the the, the re- remaster obviously has glossed it up, as you said. But yeah, it was a perfect album for him to produce, I think, Devon Townsend. You know, it was their second album, so to bring in a producer like that too. And I think he actually performed on one of the tracks as well, didn't he? I think a Devil in God's Country he played guitar and did some vocals on. Uh, I think he was the perfect person to, to, to produce this record. For their first album, they had Steve Austin, not the wrestler, but (laughs) 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 not the the wrestler, but the singer from Today is a Day, who also sings on one of the tracks on this album. Um, And I think they went for they went for Devin, given his work. But I think what he says in his book is that he's saying, you know, he's trying to be everything. He's trying to be the producer and the engineer, and he he wasn't necessarily a qualified engineer and that's what gave it a slightly muddier sound that it came out with but i think for a lot of fans that's what they associate this album with is that rawer sound and that's what they like about it and i think lamb of god did move on to a very polished taut compressed sound which now you think when you think of lamb of god you think of those tracks as a very muscular sound but that's why i think people like you and me really like palaces because of that slightly rawer edge that it has to it yeah and as i said it was it was the pantera that i was missing and this is exactly how raw and furious pantera were and actually we spoke about far beyond driven on last last week steve cut was it the week before Anyway, we talked about Father and Driven and we talked about opening four tracks. Have you ever had an album has four tracks as opening? This is this is one of those, as the palace is burnt. The first four tracks. Now, I won't go because I have a few more points about the whole album, but the first four tracks from the opening of Ruin, when you press play, it's not even like, you know, some bands have a little intro or a sort of slight build up. It is straight away, bang, 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 machine gun fucking riffs and randy's opening growl on it um when he goes from the screech into this low guttural continuous growl is so goddamn heavy and fits on the track perfectly and from then on you know the bass is punchy on it probably the standout for me being a big double bass fan is um chris adler on this chris adler is one of my favorite metal drummers of all time you you're a drummer you will know the detail more than me but just in terms of you know someone with a very characteristic sound on the drums you know you could say a drummer sounds like a drummer sounds like a drummer but you can hear when it's chris adler he's got such an expressive style to him and the what i always say about this is the best time i ever saw megadeth was when he was on the kit and he just brought so much extra power and pace and drove things along in such a more exciting, aggressive way. Chris Adler is one of my all-time favourite drummers and it makes me so sad 
that is no longer yes in the band. And on, on a side note, it will be interesting that um, I think Lamb of God's new album has been released in May. It will be interesting to see the impact that um, Art Cruise has on this because live, I think, did we see them at download? We did. Live, I couldn't really tell. The, well, I was probably half smashed, but I couldn't really tell the difference. But I think definitely when you listen to As the Palace is Burn, his drumming on it is so unique and the driving force behind this, I think. Yeah, Ruin Ruins, is such a great... Potentially one of my favourite, all-time favourite Lamb of God tracks. I absolutely love it. And going back, I love Chris Adler's drumming on the breakdown. I don't know what you call the, the small symbols that you can just hear perfectly i've got it written down the exact time at two minutes 45 the, the symbols that you can hear so fast and aggressive then it turns into this slow stomp i just i absolutely love that track yeah and when randy screams out i'll show you all that i have mastered fear pain pa- hatred and the scream on the power power just took it into my fucking veins and then you go on to As the Palaces Burn the second track, the title track and it doesn't stop, in fact I think you only get to actually it's the trope and you get to For Your Malice track 5 where it sort of is a bit of a let up or it's just slower I love how 11th Hour goes you know into this relentless riff with the lyrics and my sweet demon eyes and then it says take me under your black wings and then it it i love how that fades into for your malice and uh i just it, it i like that transition between those two tracks i think it's awesome i think 11th hour is probably one of my favorite if not my favorite really? lamb of god songs i think they're fucking the breakdown solo uh sorry not the breakdown but they the solo into the breakdown on this is so heavy and ferocious. Um, and then moves on, like you said, to for your, for your Malice, another slow one. Boot Scrape is a great track scraper. as well. I've, to be honest, to going, really just good. taking a step back, I think I haven't listened to As Palaces for many years because it was not on streaming services for some for whatever reason. It was not on streaming services, whereas the rest of their back catalogue was. So when you announced it, I was delighted. I had to quickly check it was definitely on streaming services, which it is. And it just reminds me that I've probably not listened to this album in detail for many, many years. And it was such a delight hearing tracks like that boot scraper again, that it's, it's kind of gone to the back of my memory and just remembering all over again what at that time, like you say, back in the early 2000s, when there wasn't much like this going on, what a refreshing an exciting sound it was yeah i can imagine it's almost like pressing play for the first time again being that and i know when i listen to it i'd say i it wouldn't be a regular listen to this album as much as i love it but i think that's down to the fact it wasn't streaming but as soon as i press play i got that same adrenaline and excitement of hearing room for the first time and just wave of nostalgia of sitting in spain drinking yeah. a beer on the balcon right. just listening to this numerous times a day I, I say when this first came out, I probably listened to this album two or three times a day, easily. It's it, it that's it's that good, and it doesn't get worse. Like Boot Scraper is 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 a fantastic song. It's the the vocal Randy's vocals really are outstanding on this. And for someone who is a massive punk fan and doesn't actually consider himself a metal singer, is mm-hmm. one of the best vocalists out there. And I. I'll have anyone yeah, over that fact. all day long. 
and then the final oh. track, Vigil. It, she, it gets me back to, I can't remember what, there's some live DVD and it's just, they start Vigil and it's purple lighting in the background. Randy's smoking a cigarette and he's blowing the smoke around and the ambience of it, and it takes me back to that. I'm it's glad you singled fantastic. it out. I, I think it's an amazing track. I love the clean guitars go uh, open it going into that slow churning riff um before it breaks down into such rapid break uh, in about three minutes in and it just you it just builds up the tension and the excitement until that point and then it absolutely goes wild after that yeah it's 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 an album that there's a few albums that you don't skip tracks on. This is one of them for me. Would there be the same There's no you? bad tracks on this, and like you say, it it just doesn't no. let up. It just goes goes throughout. Relentless. As I said, this was the sort of uh, the blueprint then for the next album uh, because this really was got a lot of people's attention, and I'd say got a lot of fans, and they have slowly grown that fan base. As I said, Ashes of the Wake was the next one. And they took it to a next level on that. How important was this album for metal? I think we mentioned it already in that this it, this was the the new heavy metal for a lot of people who are disenfranchised with new metal. It got silly by the end of it, and and <laughs> there maybe they weren't looking far back as your Iron Maidens and your Saxons or whatever. They wanted something new but something that was heavy in a traditional sense. And this was it. And like you say, I think this was the album that, that was the blueprint. You know, you've, you've said before the New American Gospel was a blueprint of Lamb of God Sound, but I think that album only just sounds like what Lamb of God start, uh, start to sound like. On this, they really begin to nail the formula. And on latter albums, the next three in particular, I think, that's when they absolutely just define their sounds, their signature sound, which they use for the rest of their career. So the, this, for me, is their breaking point. Yeah, 100%. Live, live, Venny, how many times have you seen these tracks live? I've only think? seen Ruin live that I can think of. Potentially 11th, 11th hour. hour. Yeah, I, I didn't set list FM it. I've seen Lamb of God countless times so I'm, I'm not sure i've definitely seen ruin live they if we're talking about sorry lamb of god live in general are an absolute beast of a band these out these songs um ruin especially and 11th hour when played vigil, live, yeah. or even v- vigil um whew, they, they are don't play them live rippers they don't overly dip back as far as as the palaces burns no I would say Ruin's probably the only stead, steady one that's and in even there. Even that, I wouldn't say they play every time. Even that's used a bit sparingly these days. Yeah, they've got such a catalogue now of strong songs. God damn them for doing their job so well. And it'd be great to do a um, a request by yeah. request set list I mean, for Lamb of God. Like you say, they've got so many great tracks now that it's hard to put. It must be a headache for them to put a set list together. Yeah, I, I'd love to see them back at... Um, download next year or definitely tour and they will obviously tour whenever we can get started or sorry get the get back out there again and 
I'd, I saw them in uh, Dublin just after the court court case, um, difficult court case with Randy. For those of you who aren't aware, was um, they landed in Prague and Randy was arrested on um, bodily harm charges. I don't know if it was manslaughter, but put in prison and um, a really sad time for the band. And it's actually in the documentary called As the Palace is Burned, incidentally. So if you're interested in stuff like that, check that out. Randy also did a book, Dark Memoirs or something. Which basically is his time during this. Another good read, um, but they're a very humble band. Mark Morton, underrated guitarist. Yeah, he's a his some of the stuff he comes out with on social media is slightly questionable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he is yeah absolute riff machine. I I think it's brilliant in terms of twenty first century guitarists. He's got to be up there in terms of the best. I'd say. Yeah, and this is, he openly admits he doesn't listen to metal. He's into his rap and hip hop. So for someone to make riffs like this, credit to him. You texted me yesterday, Venny, uh, and said, don't you dare ask me to put rank, <laughs> to rank the Lamb of God uh, albums. I'm not going to ask you to rank them all. I will ask you this, though. Where does this sit in their their albums? It's the upper echelons for me. In terms of it being the top three, at least. And I'm sure at times it's been number one for me. I I, I put together a, a top 20 metal albums list. I've got a feeling this album was Lamb of God's representative. So, so yeah, for me, the top three, without a doubt. But why, why I was so at pains to make you not ask me was a lot of their albums, I think, are so good that it's hard to hard to drive a wedge between them. So I think it's very difficult to rank them, unlike some bands. Yeah, I snapped at you yesterday when you said I don't think it's the number one, and I can understand where you're coming from. It's a very big toss up between that and the Ashes for me. Yeah, we're not going to go into this, but it's between those two personally for me. It's just so strong, and I'm delighted that I chose this album because I've now gone back in and I'm doing their whole albums again, start to finish, and. They're just absolute gems. If if you haven't listened to Lamb of God, you need to because they're such a good band and I will defend them until the day I die. I said yesterday I'm getting a Lamb of God tattoo and that is definitely happening. They, they're so good, this band. Going back, like Dahlia Murder, Lamb of God have been consistent over a number of years and I think that sequence of records from this one on, it's pretty impeccable. And that's why I find it hard to rank because I think they're so difficult to to split apart they're all so good yeah but the correct answer is that as the palace is burned is number one. <laughs> we'll just get around all your molly coddling trying to get around it's as the palace. <laughs> <laughs> no um well look that's it for this week thanks to all our listeners i think we're probably about 10 now benny are we we've got a good, good yeah. family so far including my daughter several about yeah, a week actually, I, I sent this on to uh my dad who uh who thoroughly enjoyed it Excellent. I don't know if that's lip service, but he said he did enjoy it, so I'm sending it to the <laughs> Um Thanks for listening. Next week, um, we have we're going to review Trivium new album as well as Catatonia, two albums I'm looking forward to. Ben and a deep cut comes from a listener request all the way from Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Australia. Mr. Watson, Will Watson has requested we go into Rage and Speed Horns. Yeah, Rage and Speed Horns self-titled which was a big staple in our youth looking forward to getting stuck into that and throwing that on the dinner table tonight for the wife to 
after. You'll be smashing down the beers and <laughs> like starting a brawl in your kitchen, I'm sure, after listening to that. Cannot wait, cannot wait. Benny, thanks again, mate. Always a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Enjoy and it, I'll mate. Talk, talk to you next... Well, I'll talk to you anyway, but I'll talk to you next week when we do this again. Let's heavy do it matter, again. At Heavy Matters on Twitter. Follow, retweet, please. Much love. Thanks for all, all your support, guys. Much appreciated.